Welcome to Ambitious Motherhood, the podcast for the mom who is chasing after her dreams in motherhood and business. This is your permission slip to pursue all that you were created to be and live out your calling both in and out of your home. Here's your host, Katie Fleming. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I am excited to chat today with Raina Pomeroy. She is the founder of Raina & Co. and the creator of the Profit & Serve program. She helps creative entrepreneurs get laser focused so they can book more dreamy clients with ease, get paid to do what they love, and have the time to enjoy it. She is a coach, speaker, educator, author, and a podcaster. Raina is the host of the Creative Empire podcast and the Fueled with Heart podcast as well. Her work has been featured on the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast, Entrepreneur.com, Britain Co., The Huffington Post, and The Rising Tide Society. I'm excited for this conversation today because Raina and I talk about prioritizing paying yourself. And I know when you're getting started and you're just getting your first 1K in, it can seem far off paying yourself. But I want you to consider prioritizing paying yourself early on, regardless of the amount. We also talk about sales and how can we make sales feel more easy, easy with a Y, E-A-S-E dash Y. Did I spell that right? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so this episode, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get some tangible tips that you can apply to your business and going forward so that you can make sales. Sales are such an act of service that we have to serve our clients and show up. And I hope that you gain that from today's episode. Hey, Raina, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. Yeah. So why don't you fill everybody in? They heard your bio, but fill us all in on who you are, what your business does, who you serve, and then how you've kind of weaved that into your whole motherhood life journey. Yeah. So let me tell you about what I'm doing now, which is that I am a focus coach for multi-passionate and creative entrepreneurs. That basically means that my mostly moms are people who have like all of the tabs open in her brain. Like she's got all of the things firing for her family, for herself, her health, her work. They're all, all the tabs are open, right? And it's kind of chaotic. <laughs> it's a little bit frustrating and kind of overwhelming sometimes. And so I help them focus on what's most important in each of those domains that we just talked about and really focus on what's most important so that they can really, you know, take action on the things that are going to be meaningful for them and to create an impact in all of those pieces in life that are most important to us. And those things are really determined by each and every single person that I work with. And I find that so many of those people who have those projects open are feeling like they don't measure up to what other people are doing or feel like they haven't made the kind of progress that they want to make. And they're really just frustrated and want to figure out what am I supposed to be working on right now? What am I supposed to be focusing on? Why can't I seem to make anything come to fruition? And so those are the people I really get to work with. I basically do one-on-one coaching with some of those entrepreneurs, as well as running a program called Dreamy Client Magnet. I help people book more of the right clients and make more money doing what they absolutely love to do so that they can really like focus on the freedom and flexibility they wanted to create as they started their businesses. So that's now. And going back to way back when, uh, let's just start. It's like a windy journey, right? Like if we've been in the, in the mom or entrepreneur game, it's, it's kind of a long windy journey, but I'll try to keep it short. So I graduated in the very height of the recession. And that was a time when 
having a liberal arts degree in psychology was going to get me absolutely nowhere. And my other major was music. And so like, what the heck does one do with music and psychology? So I really just did all kinds of research. I was a research assistant. I worked for a political campaign. I like took so many twists and turns, worked in retail. And I realized that I'm pretty good at a lot of different things. Like when I put my mind to it, I can be really resourceful. And I find that a lot of women are this way, that we can find when we're in the zone, we can totally help with a lot of different things. And so we become these Janes of all trades, which can be a little bit detrimental for entrepreneurship and succeeding in that. But to fast forward a little bit, I decided to go to social work school. So I got my master's in social work. Basically, I joke that I got my first degree in talking to people, second degree in talking and listening to people. And then my third credential as a coach, I also got more of a degree in talking and listening to people. (laughs) So I've spent a lot of money in that. But basically, while I was in social work school, I also started my side hustle as a wedding and event planner. I loved that gig. It was so creative and incredibly different from, you know, my social work world where I was doing therapy and doing program management for, for organizations. And I realized that like I was good at a lot of different things, but not one thing was lighting me up. And when I had my son, who's now five, I realized that like commuting was a really hard thing to do. I was commuting like two hours and that's rough. And I think that a lot of moms can identify with this, but like the days are so dang short when you're having to commute and when you're having to juggle different things and, you know, you love the work that you're doing or not, but like, you're just like, there, there was a moment for me when I just felt like there had to be more to life than this, more to life than just hustling, more to life than, you know, commuting and just picking my son up from daycare and popping him in and cooking dinner and doing the laundry and then putting him to bed. It was just like this rigmarole of like, when, is it going to like actually open up for me? So I quit my full-time job, even though I loved it. I quit my cold turkey. I mean, when my husband and I decided we created a plan, but honestly, like I just couldn't do it anymore, even though I loved it. And even as a social worker, like I just spent a whole lot of money and a whole lot of time getting this degree. And why am I going to quit it? Also quit my wedding planning business around the same time and was looking for that freedom and flexibility and giving up every single weekend after I got back from my nine to five felt like not the right fit, right? And so I settled on looking for a job, didn't find that next thing. And so out of kind of necessity, I was like, I need to find a new identity because I was stay at home mom. And I don't know about you guys, but I am a terrible stay at home mom. Like I will self-proclaimed terrible (laughs) stay at home mom because I I just felt like there was, there had to be more to life than like chasing this one-year-old and making sure that he survived. I wanted to be good at play dates and I wanted to be good at like all those things, but I had so many passions and I was like, I really want to just focus on something else and kind of fell into entrepreneurship for Did the second time. Did you fight any guilt around that? Oh, totally. Yeah. Especially since like, I felt like I was so distracted when I was starting my business. Like, oh, I I should be like paying attention to him as he's like playing and like, maybe I should be, you know, playing with him on the floor. But instead I'm on my computer and saying, Hey, hold on one second. Like, just, just give me a couple minutes. And sometimes I would pop him in front of the TV. And like, honestly, we didn't let him watch too much TV by, you know, till then. But it was just like, I really wanted to get into my business stuff and felt a lot of guilt around that. But once my business started really taking off, I had had a little bit of guilt putting him in daycare once I was able to afford it. But I realized that he was really flourishing and he really loved that human contact (laughs) with like other kids. And so it made it a little bit easier to make that transition. And he was just such a little love when I picked him up and he just was so excited to see me. And so it was nice to have that and to be able to have something else for myself. 
So that's, that's something I don't regret. Like I am a better mom when I know that I am taking care of myself. I know that I'm able to have my own identity and for my son to be able to see that like mom has things going on other than me. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's kind of like my path. I was the same way where I tried to fit my motherhood journey into a specific box. Like I tried to be that stay-at-home mom and realized somewhere throughout the process that I have a specific ideal mom life. I have talents, I have gifts, and so does everybody listening, that mm-hmm. we've got to figure out what that ideal mom life is and then how can our work, our volunteer life, whatever that looks like, how can that work from our life fit into that? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. That's spot on. So your business, when you were when you're talking about the business you were starting then, is that the same clientele offer that you have today? So it's a little bit different in that I don't think I had the specific niche of multi-passionate creative entrepreneurs. It's been sort of in that space. I started with more of the wedding folks because that was where I knew all of the people from. But as it's kind of gone along, I have gotten really clear on what I help people with and like that helping people focus is something that I am really good at because those big overwhelming ideas, people just don't know where to start and helping them to create a plan and creating a a roadmap for them. That is their success plan. Not everyone else's success plan, but theirs specifically. And we not only look at like business success, which is what a lot of the women who come to me for, but we talk about their life stuff. We talk about their personal success, their, you know, personal health and well-being, And all of those things are domains that I'm really passionate about coaching people in because we often put ourselves on the back burner. We often put ourselves second, third, fourth, and forget to even put our oxygen masks on. (laughs) I love that. So do you remember that first like big break, that thing that catapulted you in business? I feel like there was a moment in my, the first like six months of my business, I had been doing a lot of coffee chats because I I remember like when I started my business, I didn't really know a whole lot of people. Like I didn't really know the rules of the land and I didn't speak the language yet. And so I just wanted to get to know a lot of people. I just did a ton of coffee chats and around like, I want to say like four or five months in, I, I remember people were tagging me left and right in Facebook groups. And I was like, this is really strange. Like I'm not, you know, whenever somebody would be asking for a coach or a business coach or something, other people would be tagging me. I wouldn't have to raise my hand at all. And that was such a really, like, it felt so good to have people know who I was and to recognize me for somebody who was trustworthy and like for other people to be willing to vouch for me. And I think that was definitely a turning point for me in my business. It was all word of mouth to that point besides my hustle. And like that moment of like, oh, somebody actually knows who the heck I am and what I, what I do. Um, and that felt like a a little bit of a turning point. That's awesome. That's really cool. So what are those things that you do on a daily basis to get your mindset right, to handle the day in motherhood and business? (laughs) Um, well, I have a little bit of a, a morning routine that I definitely go through. It's not a rigid one because who has time for that? Honestly, (laughs) But um, I have a little bit of like a moving meditation that I love to do that I don't need to sit down for. Like I can do it while I'm cooking breakfast and like it gets me moving and I'm like just focused on whatever it is that I want to set an intention around each day. And then my morning routine really starts after I drop my son off at school. And I'm sure mamas can relate to this, but it's like, as soon as I drop him off, it's like, this is my time. And so I start listening to my audiobook, and then I do a little bit of journaling in the morning and kind of like get myself ready so I can focus on the work. Yeah. Does that answer your question? I feel like 
that's kind of the, the way that I get myself to work essentially. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that once you drop him off at school, that's your time. That is one way I've found, maybe you can attest to this, to keep the mom guilt at bay is that when I'm working, I'm working. My brain is there. I'm not scrolling Instagram. I'm not doing whatever. My family, they know not to get a hold of me during that time. So just being able to put up those boundaries, even for ourselves. Yeah, I think it's so important for us to do this. And I think, okay, so three things. One is that whenever I have those boundaries and I'm very clear about 10 to four is my work time. And after that is non-work time. And if there's any time during that non-work time that I actually have to work, I kind of have to like announce it to my family or like tell my husband about it. And it's just a way for me to honor those boundaries. It's like, you know, we're in launch week. Last week we launched our program and it was just a little bit chaotic. Like I had to do a later webinar kind of thing. And whenever those things happen, it's totally fine. I just have to announce it that I'm like intentionally in non-mama mode and to make sure that my husband knows what's going on and like my brain's in the right spaces. And I feel like whenever I'm, I'm able to do that, it's so much easier. So I'm not like having to check in on my phone or make sure that my clients are alive or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, it, it makes it a lot easier to be able to differentiate. This, the second thing too, is that it allows me to create space for hobbies. So in my business, you know, in the first couple of years that I had my business, I was like very obsessed and like had a love affair with like business things. And I was like learning about business and breathing business and you know, all of that. And somebody actually asked me during an interview, like, so what are your hobbies? And I'm like, I don't have it. Like, I'm like really annoyed that I don't have anything to say. And in 2017, I really like buckled down, did my power sheets. And I was like, I want to like make friends and I want to have hobbies. Like those are my things that I'm focusing on. And that sounds so pathetic as I say that, but honestly, like, oh, I started ice skating. And last year I read a whole crap ton of books, um, which which is not really a hobby, but like I got really excited learning about different things. So learning is definitely a hobby for me, but this year I'm taking ceramics. So just like a lot of different things that I hadn't ever tried before and just getting out of my comfort zone. So I'm still committed to this journey of like self-development beyond just business because it's so easy to get in that like rut. Yeah. So I can have a little confession time. I can have an obsessive personality. So anytime I (laughs) for a hobby, it's like, for example, the last time I had a substantial hobby was I think early on in my, our marriage, I started quilting and it like took over our living room. (laughs) There's like pieces of everything. Like it's just, I have to have the best things and the best gadgets and all that stuff. But yeah. I love that. No, it's so fun. But I think there's something to be said beyond the obsessive stuff. Like you have to have an identity beyond just business. I think at the beginning, it's fine because it does take that like hustle to get there. After a while, it's like, you're just an obsessed business person. And that doesn't make you very interesting. And I'm not very interested in myself when I'm in that zone. Yeah. So give us a little gamut of all the different categories of books you read this past year. Oh my gosh. So this past year, I started out reading a lot of business books and kind of got bored with it and started to read anything from the brain and that kind of nerdy stuff. And then I transitioned into more psychological thrillers and (laughs) murder mysteries. Was Um, this like physical books or audible? A combination of all of the things. Yeah. So I discovered that there's libraries. Like that wasn't a thing that I knew before. or really used before I got a library card. Um, Yeah. So I learned how to like put books on reserve. Like, what is this? And so, yeah, my Audible account has like 
so many book credits and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't like do the checkout audible books or audio books from the library thing. That's kind of weird to me, but it's yeah. actually really cool. I will Is say. it? Okay, yeah. You'll have to tell me a little bit about that after this. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I read a lot of different things and it's been really fascinating to me, like the kinds of books that people are writing and uh, it's made me realize like, I want to be a better storyteller and not just for business and marketing purposes, because like that is definitely a component of being able to market better. But I think that like as a listener of people's stories, right? Like that's my job. I talk to people and listen to people and I want to be able to do more of that and to just tell stories. And so I'm hoping that this year might be a year where I draft a fiction book. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, just kind of a random little hobby. <laughs> I, I am fascinated by stories as well because if you think about it, all the of our past generations have passed on information and ideas and thoughts, you know, just family things through stories. Mm-hmm. So it's very fascinating to me as well. <laughs> so cool. let's go into a little bit of a businessy chat. Let's cool. talk about sales. Let's talk about prioritizing paying yourself because those are things you're passionate about. It is. And it's really funny because if people are listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to listen to this. I totally get it. I am like so surprised at myself that this is a topic that gets me fired up. And here's why. Like I had a t-shirt in grad school that said, we'll work for change. And it had pennies on it. And it was like this terrible money mindset concept of like, if you want to change the world, you you have to be willing to work for pennies. And to me, that is like a really disheartening message with that kind of mindset. And like, I don't deserve to make the kind of money that I think that I deserve to make is just a huge block. And so selling came very difficult to to me at the very beginning. It was not very easeful. And so I've really worked a ton of hours around like improving my mindset, improving how I can look at selling and really just enjoy selling. And that's how I feel about it now. The last time we launched my Dreamy Client Magnet program, one of my students said, I'm just going to remember how this feels right now. And I'm just so honored and excited that I got to buy this from you. And that's the way that I want all of my students to to feel while they buy my things. But also I want to show people that it's tremendously impactful to be able to sell. Because I think that when we are committed to whatever product we're selling or whatever we're wanting to offer to the world, we have to believe that it's going to make somebody really happy or it's going to improve their lives or it's going to do something that's substantially going to change you know, their outlook. And I think that that's such a gift, right? Yeah. And we're all looking for solutions, whether it's like just going to watch a really funny comedy movie or buying like a $2,000 coaching package. The outcome for that person is like that emotional gratification. And we have to be able to deliver on that and to feel really good selling that product. Yeah. It's coming to this place where you are a hundred percent confident and excited that the person joining your thing, doing your, whatever it is, their lifestyle about to change. Like, especially for me, that's, that is the excitement that I get into when somebody joins or works with me or whatever it is. And just knowing that, oh my gosh, they're going to get to experience X, Y, and Z results in their life. It's like such an honor to be able to walk that path with them. Right. And I get really, really excited. I think whenever people feel sleazy about something, it's because they've experienced a sleazy sale. And we have to realize that we don't have to do it that way. Just because we've experienced somebody else doing it in a way that we would not really want to replicate doesn't mean that you have to do it that way. And if you keep the person that you are selling to at the forefront of your mind and you are serving them and you're committed to serving them, you're never going to feel that way. Yeah. I've had a lot of network marketing girls in 
in my audience before and they have this question, how do I sell without being salesy? And we all have this question, but with them particularly, I remember telling them that your goal as a network marketer is to connect somebody to their best next step whether mm-hmm. it's your product, your mascara, or the one at Walgreens, like it does not matter. You're mm-hmm. here to serve your people, your audience, and connect them with their best next step. And how, as businesswomen, if we can put our hand in as many income streams as possible that are options to connect them to, then that's great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just being very concerned about the person's outcome and, and also being very confident in what you have to offer. Yeah, there was an influencer on Instagram that I followed a while ago, and she already had a big following. And then she started selling something that was like a network marketing product. I think it was mascara or something. It was like beauty related, but she would blog about stuff that's, you know, around this topic and like beauty and fashion. And she started talking about this MLM product and was just like, this is something that I use on a daily. So I'm just going to tell you about it. And it was very like authentic. And that's how we have to share things. And remember how like, you know, you would share about a book or you would share about a vacation that you had or a restaurant recommendation. Being able to connect somebody with a resource is a gift, right? And as excited as we get about like this cool new toy that we found or like a cool new resource or look at this thing that I found on Amazon. If we can get that excited and that detached from selling the thing, that's when people get really excited with you. And they're like, oh my gosh, you, you love that. So clearly I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. Hey, just wanted to interrupt and invite you to join the Ambitious Motherhood Facebook tribe. This is a free group that I host alongside of over 600 women on Facebook that is meant to be your place to connect with other like-minded mamas out there raising their babies and building a business. We'd love to connect with you there over at ambitiousmotherhood.com forward slash tribe. When you started doing all this work around your mindset, what were those obstacles you had to overcome? And can you give us a glimpse into how you solved those problems? Yeah. So some of the things that I've untangled and it's still a work in progress, right? Like money mindset is not one of those things that you just like wake up and you're like, I'm perfect, (laughs) but every level new devil. And so one of the things that I had to overcome was that money or having money or earning money, like substantial amounts of money and being rich was a bad thing. And that there is a stereotype of like, you would look and act and behave in this particular way if you had more money. And I had to really reframe that because I had a lot of models of people who would act in a corrupt way or in an evil way. And that was my mentality. And I had to kind of break this mentality of what it looks like to be a rich human. And I didn't want to be that. I just needed to find people who were modeling being wealthy, having the means to do everything that they wanted to do. Not necessarily like being a billionaire. That's not my definition of being rich. My definition of being rich is along Jen Sincero's, you know, thought process of like living literally your best life, whatever that means for you. And so if that means like living on a horse farm and having those seven horses that you want, cool. That's not my rich life, but that's cool. Like if that's what you want, right? And so I had to kind of dismantle that. And my version of a rich life is to be able to have everything that my family wants and desires and to be able to do everything that we want in our lifetime and to be able to have the capacity to give back and do good in the world and to be able to travel. And so those are the things that make my rich life a rich life. And so like deconstruct what I thought was what I had to do. And like having a yacht is not something that's part of my rich life. And so like, what is your rich life? And kind of let's help you construct that. The other thing that I go back to often is, you know, money helps us to really expand what already is. And so if you're a mean spirited, 
not very generous, not very nice human, money is going to expand that. You're just going to be selfish and you're going to spend it on all the things that people kind of look down on for rich people for, right? But if you're a kind, generous, you know, nice person, you're going to do more of that with more money, right? You're going to give to more causes. You're going to, um, you know, support other people as they go through their journeys. You're going to be able to put your kids through college if that's what you want to do. Just remembering that my money that I earn and the wealth that my family has is going to be you know, a, a, a channel, a vessel for, to be able to, you know, do other things that are awesome and great that we want to do with the world. So it helps us dictate what our priorities are. Yeah. How do you begin to uncover some of those beliefs that you might have around money if they're not so obvious? Oh my gosh. I think it's just a, a matter of saying to yourself, money is blank and like seeing what comes up for you. And uh, there, I would definitely recommend reading Jen Sincero's um, You're a Badass at Making Money. I read that slash, I have the book, I have it highlighted. There's like journaling sections, go through that. I have the audible version. I listen to that pretty much every other day. <laughs> I've listened to it probably about like 10 times by this point. Um, it's really good. And I think it just like makes you challenge yourself in terms of if you can't say the, the sentence, I love money, then there's a block, right? Because why wouldn't we love money? Money, money is flowing. Money is flowing and there's a lot of things, but there's a lot of like energy that's stuck around money often. And for me at the very beginning, I was, I was kind of exploring this and I did not mean to become like a money person, but whenever I got stuck in it, it was usually because we didn't have enough or it was, it was challenging to pay the bills or, you know, I was a single income and my business wasn't producing yet. Now we're at a different point and thank goodness we are, but it, it took me a long time to get to this like energetic shift of like money is a great thing. I want to have more of it. I want to help more people by doing this. Yeah. I heard the other day in another way, if you're listening to this, another way that you can kind of pinpoint some of your money thoughts is if you start talking about what somebody else bought or what somebody else is experiencing. For example, the other day I, I overheard this conversation. Actually, I might've been a part of it, but it was like, because they have, that's the reason I don't was the way I was oh, hearing. Oh, that's so, so interesting. Yeah. So it's this like in a little belief that the foundation is the world only equals this one thing. Like because they have, you don't. And mm-hmm. I don't believe that. That is not a part of my beliefs. Um, I believe that the God is abundant. The way he creates this world, the way he gives, I mean, the way this, everything operates is abundant. So mm-hmm. because they have is not why you don't. Um, yeah. So that was interesting to hear. And I thought, wow, that's a core belief that that person has. And then you've got to work to overcome that. You know, there was a really interesting thing that happened to me. I can't remember when this was, maybe a couple of years ago. It was like such an insignificant thing that I don't don't know why I remember this. There was a news story about the Kardashians and they had like done something stupidly extravagant. Like, I don't know, something had triggered me around this story. They had like done like a bunch of shopping or whatever. Does not really matter what the the details of it was, right? And and I remember feeling so triggered by it and talked to my coach about it. And she was like, why are you triggered by this? Like, let's kind of uncover it. And it was because I felt like they should be choosing to do something else with that money. And that was like a really eye-opening moment for me because to me, it's similar to what you were just saying that like, because they did this and they chose not to invest it in something else or choose to, you know, give back to somebody else. That was my values hitting up against their decisions. Right. And my values were that you shouldn't spend that kind of money on extravagance or that kind of luxury. And that's a limiting belief. 
because if I believe that that's what like other people's decisions should be based on my, my values, that's not for me to control. Something else that I do on a regular, fairly regular basis is I have these money mindset cards from Abundant Affirmations. Jen, um, Jen Hatsung makes these and they're like, they're super cute. And you just pick one and kind of hold it and hold it as an intention. And I think that that also helps me kind of ground myself, um, whatever money mindset thing I'm going through. Yeah. I mean, once you kind of have that limiting belief, was there any specific thing? Did you do work surrounding that one thing until you got it unblocked? And like, what did that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I think it's been a process. One of the biggest things that I think that helps me is journaling and just processing. So I definitely have a coach and I process with my coach, but the other things too are just to like notice that it's happening and not judge myself for feeling what I'm feeling and being like, oh, that's really fascinating that this has been, you know, this is happening. And like, I don't know why this is happening, but let me just kind of check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting what you uncover for sure. So walk me through your kind of pre-sales process. Let's say you're doing discovery calls with people. What do you do to get yourself in the right mindset before hopping on that call? I really just focus on like, what is it that they want to get out of this, right? Whether it's the conversation, like just meeting face to face with somebody, I just want to get to know them. I get really curious about them instead of being like, oh, I need to make the sale. Like, how can I support their goals and dreams? And are we the right fit? That's my biggest priority. Like, is what I'm bringing to the table going to be, you know, helpful for what it is that they want? And if it's not, and if it doesn't feel like a right fit, it's not going to feel like a good sales conversation. So whenever you're feeling like I have to sell this person, you're in the wrong mindset, right? Like you have to get into this like playful or for me, I have to get into a really playful kind of curious kind of childlike state to really be able to listen deeply and really understand like, oh, this is what they're looking for. And to be able to affirm them and to validate how they're feeling. I think the biggest thing too, is that like most people don't get heard. Like people don't get heard and validated and like that they, I see you. And to be able to do that on a sales call is like to honor their agenda is something that I'm really passionate about doing. Mm, That's good. Honoring their agenda. Another thing you're big on is paying yourself. Mm -hmm. Have you always prioritized that? (laughs) So at the beginning I couldn't do that, but I, I knew that it was something that was really important to me because why start a business if you can't pay yourself? At the very beginning, I was very interested in accumulating credentials (laughs) like we were talking about. So I got my certification in coaching and that was something that was very important to me. And my husband could not for the life of him understand it because he was like, you have a master's in social work and you've been doing therapy. What's wrong with you? But I really wanted to be able to call myself a coach. And in order to do that, I felt like I really wanted to have that credential. And so I put us in the hole about $10,000 and like to pay that off was the biggest priority. And so like, yeah, I was paying myself, but I wasn't paying our family, right? I was just like paying the debt back. And so after about a year, it was a big priority for my family to be able to contribute consistently, even if it was not a very significant amount to be able to just pay for this chunk of daycare money or our extracurriculars or to be able to put towards our savings, which we were not doing by that point, right? And like, I had to make a commitment at the very beginning was like, okay, here's the date. Here's how you, how much you're going to pay. And you have to make decisions based on that being an expense from your business. 
And so I find a lot of my clients will pay teammates before they pay themselves. They will, you know, pay for marketing expenses before they pay themselves. They will invest in courses before they pay themselves in the name of investing in themselves. And to me, that is a disservice to one yourself and you know, your journey, but also we want to be able to say that we gained something from this work that we're doing and just investing in yourself doesn't do that. And also if you have a partner, they want to also see some kind of gratification from the hard work that you're doing, the sacrifices that they're making to help you make this dream come true. And, you know, that's a conversation you need to have with your, your partner, obviously. But I think that so often marriages are, are in this chokehold because of these monetary conversations that are happening, that we are not fulfilling that part of the bargain. Mm, yeah. So when somebody is getting going, what's your advice around that to help them get that cash influx that they might be looking for? Yeah, I think that it's a couple of things. So one is that you have to make a decision on how long you're willing to go without being paid. Because at the very beginning, there, depending on the kind of business you have, I think there is startup capital that's needed. There is some like reinvesting of funds into your business that's needed, right? Like whether you decide to have a business website, that's something that you're going to have to invest in at some point. You don't need it necessarily immediately. And I don't, I don't think that people need to like wait to start their businesses. I honestly think that people have things that they need to invest in in their businesses. But after a certain point, you have to decide like, when am I going to pay myself? Does that mean like, I'm going to do it this month and like, it's going to be $50, like build up that habit. Or is it going to be that like after a year, after, two years, I have to do it. I know product-based businesses that have not profited from you know their stuff yet in, in the first two years of their businesses. That's pretty normal unless you've built the margin just because product-based businesses have lower margin because they have higher overhead. But that being said, I think that if you, it really like begs the question, do I believe that my business is going to be profitable and do I want a hobby business or do I want a business business? <laughs> yeah. Just thinking about the energy you're bringing into your business, mm-hmm. when you pay yourself, it's almost like you're saying, I trust you. I know that there's going to be clients next month. I know that there's yep. going to be money to pay for the things next month. Yep. There's going to be more there. So mm-hmm. it kind of goes into that whole money mindset conversation too. Absolutely. I think we have to build up that trust with ourselves and build up the muscle of like, I am a non-negotiable as it would be if I hired anybody or decided to invest in something else. Because those things, after you sign that contract is going to be a non-negotiable, right? And we have to make that contract with ourselves as well. Yeah. Well, I want to go into this little final bit and I want to ask you, if you could start your business all over again, what would you do differently this time around? And if Mm. you were starting it in 2019? Oh man. I feel like the the scene is a little bit different now. Let's see. So I think what I would do differently is I would probably focus a lot more on figuring out what my core message was faster. And not that that was necessarily like not my priority, but I just felt like I was investing in a lot of different things in my time and energy in different things. And I wanted to get really, really clear on my messaging sooner. And I felt like I was tiptoeing around that because I was scared that I wasn't going to get there. I so think that to recap, like tell me in like a couple of sentences what that core message is today. Yeah, today it's all about like how can I help you figure out what you, what to focus on and what's most important in your business to make it scalable. And I really want people to have that freedom and flexibility in their business, right? And that's that's my message and that's what we do inside a dreamy client magnet. That's what I do with my one-on-one clients and like finding that through line took me so dang long. <laughs> and 
especially with a, a business like coaching, where there's a lot of competition in the marketplace, having that core message is so much more helpful than just saying like, oh, I'm a business coach, right? And not having a focus and not having a niche. And so my biggest work right now is to be able to help my clients have a really, really articulate sparkle factor statement to be able to say like, this is my rock star statement. And when I get into an elevator with somebody, this is what I can say. And here's what I want to be known for. Here's what I want to get on podcasts for. Here's what I want to speak on stage for and get hired for ultimately at the end of the day. And then there that all of those pieces are connected so that it feels like a pathway that we are intentionally creating this journey for our clients to show them like, if you see me on stage and I'm talking about this, you can bet that my offer leads directly to that. Basically a funnel, but not in like icky funnel form, if that makes sense. <laughs> I love it. No, I think that's good. I mean, messaging is, has been one of the hardest things for me as well. And I think, I think we all go through it where you've just, you've got to kind of get in messy action and just start going out there talking, trying and serving people. And you, you, end up realizing, okay, this is, this is what lights me up. This is what gets my clients the biggest results. Mm -hmm. This is where I'm going to stay. Yeah. And I think that that's another thing too, is that I I really want to reflect that back to you because you have to practice it. You can't just like be in your office, trying it on your own. You got to be messy with it. And if you don't go out and try it out and listen to other people's reactions to whatever it is that you're saying, it's always going to be just your thing and no one's really going to resonate with it. Mm, that's very true. Yep. So, okay. Let's go back to the book thing. Tell me <laughs> your top two from last year. Oh man. Throw it down. Um, are we talking about fiction? Or are we talking about... Let's go nonfiction because I think non-fiction. pretty much everybody listening wants to hear the business books or business the whatever books. it is. Yeah. yeah. So I think my favorite one from last year was The Pumpkin Plan and Deep Work. So both of them are... Deep work is good. So I would listen to the Audible version for both of those. Pumpkin Plan, Mike McKellowitz is hysterical. He's the guy that wrote Profit First. He's the guy that wrote uh, like pretty much every book. Clockwork recently. Yeah. Like he has written so many business books. But anyway, Pumpkin Plan is all, if you did not, if you like the concept of essentialism, but you didn't really like get it, I would read Pumpkin Plan because it is so specific in every single industry about how to do one thing super well. And growing not just like a little bitty pumpkin, but the massive pumpkin in the pumpkin patch. So if you want to grow your, you know, whatever business, it will grow to infinity if you allow that thing to be your sole focus rather than like focusing on all the little things. So it very much goes against the grain of like having diversified income at the beginning. He's just like, get really clear on your one thing explode that and then focus on the other things. I thought it was really well written. I thought it was really funny and just like, I need to focus in on these things because I've been at that place in my business where I really wanted to figure out what my thing was. And we had tried so many things and we had had a multiple six figure business at that point. And it just really needed to get focused down so that we can explode one thing and really scale it rather than just grow it. Yeah. And then deep work was really powerful because I think so often in this like social media world, it's so easy to be like, oh, what's this person doing? Oh, I should be doing that. Or I need to be focusing on this. And deep work really helped me hear myself more clearly and say, 
this is what I need to be doing, going deep on rather than just like surface level on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I heard a podcast he was on recently. He's not uber entertaining to listen to. But... <laughs> he doesn't read it, by the way. Okay, it's, good. It's I was going to ask that. <laughs> yeah. um, but his whole, his, uh, the other thing he talks about a lot is digital minimalism, which has me yeah. super intrigued. Yeah, so, um, that's his new book, right? I, I'm excited to pick that up too. Yeah, I need to dive into that one. Whenever I like have a book, like either in my head or in my Amazon queue or something, and then somebody says it, I'm like, all right, that's going to be the next one I buy. <laughs> Excellent. Do it. <laughs> yes. Well, fill everybody in on how we can connect with you and get to know you more. Yeah, absolutely. My website is rainandco.com and you can come find us with the Dreamy Client Magnet at dreamyclientmagnet.com. And I'm always hanging out on Instagram at Raina and Company. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Me as well. So if you're listening to this today, <laughs> screenshot the show and tag Raina and myself. And we would just love to to hear in the DMs what you loved about this episode. So yeah, tell me what your takeaways are. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. Make sure you subscribe. Feel free to leave a rating and review and we'll see you on the next episode.